Welcome to Absolute Comics, guys. Uh, Scott is joining us here to talk about his personal project and whatever questions Sal and I could throw at him. Uh, it's an impromptu episode. We're doing it live over at twitch.tv slash comicstorian. You may be watching it after the fact, in which case, don't forget to check out the normal show on Tuesdays. But since it's such an impromptu show, we're just going to get right into it. I'm Benny. I run Comic Storian. That is Sal from Comic Pop. And that is Scott Snyder from, like, tons of famous comic books. So <laughs> why don't we open it up with you telling about Nocturnal, and we'll go from there. Sounds good. Well, first okay. of all, like, thank you for having me again. I feel like we're... I mean, I know we're friends outside of all this stuff, right. but it's really <laughs> nice to be back here enough times that I feel like a regular guest at this point. So I look <laughs> You're forward always to it invited. and I appreciate it. No, it means a lot. I, I, I love talking to you guys and to everybody out there. So, um, and, and yeah, for the so record, nocturnal... it was actually interesting when your agency reached out and they're like trying to negotiate all the like nitty gritty. And I'm like, I'll just hit them up on Twitter. Like we'll just we'll work <laughs> I know, out. And I was like, yeah. Well, it was because we we hired somebody to help us with publicity for this Kickstarter campaign, who's a friend of mine. But because uh, we've never done one before, so you know, whenever I've promoted my own books at DC or my indie stuff, we just I you know I, I understand I think a, at least enough like the comic book calculus of promotion to be able to handle it on my own. But with this with Kickstarter, it's just such a different animal that. I wanted somebody who had done a bunch of them before. So yes, he's really nice, but uh, I needed a bit of help all around. So it's our first Kickstarter um, and it's for this book, like you mentioned, called Nocturnal. And it imagines that tomorrow uh, solar light, like sunlight just stops reaching the earth for reasons that nobody understands. So we're plunged into this eternal darkness. And uh, uh, what happens is uh, everybody realizes pretty quickly that if you stay in the dark for more than about 48 hours, any living creature that does starts to become something called a shade, which is like a monstrous and predatory version of itself. So it's this very desperate world. The story takes place about 10 years after this has happened, after the last morning. And, uh, and nobody knows the nature of the darkness, whether it's uh, supernatural, whether it's cosmic, whether it's biblical, you know, because darkness is the ninth plague in the Old Testament. Um, and so it's this world of tremendous uncertainty and anxiety and danger um, that we wanted to make in a figurative way, like a corollary to what's happening now and what we're afraid of for our kids. You know, that feeling of what, what it's really about is how human nature fares under pressure in a moment of tremendous adversity and also uncertainty and the unknown. And darkness for me, like the idea of, I was very afraid of the dark as a kid. Um, I remember like going out there in the hallway of our apartment and like testing myself, being like, I'm going to turn this flashlight off for like 30 seconds, 35 seconds. And, and what, you know, what you're afraid of when you're afraid of the dark is, is that. It's just that. It's the unknown. It's not a particular thing. It's the absolute inability to, to discern anything. And as somebody who's, you know, deals with anxiety and all that stuff, for me, it's, it's always that. I'm, I, as you guys know, as my friends, I feel like I'm very eager a lot of the time for, like, assurance on stuff where I'm like, look, this is, right? I'm not wrong to think that this is this. Or I'm not, right? I, I feel like I've gamed it out. And this, this, you, you get that I'm trying to say this. But with in the dark, you just there's nothing. You just don't know anything. And so right. this world is for us really personal, potent. But it gives us the kind of big thriller, high octane engine to to tell that that kind of story. I love doing. It's just like propulsive, nonstop. The main character, her name is Val. When she was very young, she had very bad cataracts. She couldn't see well. She had corrective surgery a little later than than normal. She was adopted, and so now she's going back to those skills she learned as a as a kid. Uh, and she's this badass truck driver that takes people from place to place with this truck with weaponized lights and all this. So it's this incredibly fun, big mythology world um, that kind of races from the moment you enter it uh, onward. But it's also it's also a personal story. So I love it. It's on Kickstarter. And the reason that we're doing it this way 
then I'll shut up about it, is that, uh, you know, COVID, COVID was, was rough on, on everybody, obviously, in the, in the industry, you know, from creators to retailers to you guys, comic book journalists, everybody. <clears throat> and one of the things we realized as creators, we had the book already lined up with Image. We still do. So it's coming out in February. It's an ongoing series monthly. But what we realized was that um, to, to keep it going in those tough times, we had to lean on the publisher if we were going to do it um, continually and not get other work. If the artist wasn't going to go back and do DC, Tony wasn't going to go back and do DC Marvel stuff, we'd have to ask for some advance against the book from Image. And, you know, they've been great to us, but what it made me feel uncomfortable with is that, you know, we're, we're relatively big name creators. Is that taking resources away from, from newcomers that could use those, use those funds more than us? And so I went to Tony and I'm like, look, maybe this kills two birds with one stone. What we'll do is we'll be able to offer people something personal, collectible, something that the whole campaign is built around intimacy with us. You get to do classes with us. You're drawn into the book. You get Q and A's. I just came off one where, like I said, Tony was like driving his car to pick up his daughter while I'm like <laughs> juggling the baby. So you, you get a very intimate window into like our collaborative process. You, you're part of it. And then secondarily, from a pragmatic standpoint, what it does is it allows us to, to create enough money that we can safeguard the book um, so that no matter what happens with COVID or any of it, we don't have to ask anyone for an investment. We can make the book no matter what and give it to you monthly. And then um, anything that I make personally past the funds for those first five issues, I'm going to put towards the next book, which we're going to announce really soon, like the, the next project for my own label for Best Jacket, which we announced with this. And we're going to have some of the artists that are doing books with me on Best Jacket do promos and art and lithographs for this book too. So some of which will come free with the book and some of which you can buy as add-ons. So it's one big kind of celebration of trying to take greater control of your property, of your career, of your, um, your fate, honestly, as a creator and trying to do stuff that also proceeds responsibly. And that's important to me, you know? So we have a retailer tier where retailers can buy a version of the book that has a different cover. 10% of the at cost, so it's it's very cheap, and 10% of the proceeds go to bank, to BINC. So the book itself, and then I'll stop, is a black and white version of the first issue, unlettered. It's the art, the script, the designs. It's going to have extras now because we funded already. It'll have like a short story from me uh, that tells, that's from the point of view of the main character, Val, about the first night that the sun didn't rise, all kinds of stuff. So all, all extra material, nothing that's like a toy or whatever. It's all <laughs> meant to kind of give you more of this world and this mythos. So that's what I'm here promoting. And like primarily, you know, I'm very proud of the series. It's something that's lived in my head a long time. And if you back the campaign, you can be part of our team. So I hope you'll, I hope you'll do it and, uh, and join up. <clears throat> nice. Uh, so it feels like you've it feels like you've given this this uh, this the spiel a bit. So it's, it's, <laughs> you've really mastered it. It's a good it's a good like you know minute and a half elevator pitch sells the book sells the idea the premise. I think, yeah, uh, I'll be honest. Like the spiel has been to myself in the way that like none of us know what the right thing to do right now is. You know, I right. mean everything from like you know the fate of superhero comics or DC comics to the indie world like. The, for us, like for me, I'm, I'm trying to, I really am trying to use the resources I have to try and do things in ways that I believe in going forward. So right. whether it's moving aside a bit at DC, still, I still have one big project at DC I can't reveal yet, but you'll see it at the end of Death Metal, like what it is. But, um, but it's also, it exists as something like Three Jokers or something that's more 
um, that gives other people room to kind of come in and work in the main line. Cause I've, I've been a big, I've taken up a lot of oxygen there for a while. And I feel there are a lot of good emergent creators that deserve a chance, hmm. that kind of thing, all the way down to this with the Kickstarter where we could do, like, I, I'm starting to learn the math enough to know that if I was like, we're going to also do a hologram cover of blah, 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 or we're yeah. going to do, we're, we're offering you a statue. Like, that's great. There's nothing against that, but that's, and I, I, I totally like appreciate and respect people doing that for their own books, their own creator own books. There's no animosity. There's nothing bad about that. But what I'm trying to do with this campaign and what we're trying to do with the way we proceed in general with best jacket. And the reason it's called that is like, you're putting on your big boy jacket, you know, your best jacket and jacket is Jack and Emmett. My two sons, Quinn came along too late. <laughs> no, like I was. My wife was like, "Make it jacket with a Q," and I'm like, "That is too out there." I'm not gonna be like, <laughs> J A Q U E T T. Like nobody knows what that is, so forget yeah. it. The, the, um, the Google Analytics alone, forget about it. The search right? algorithm will not work. Nobody would sue me. Like, there's no, there's no, no one has ever you called find anything that. But some still, random person true. who happened to have that name or something that is called. They'd come out of the woodwork. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I, it is, uh, I'm trying, I really like everything this year. I mean, 2020 has been a fucking, like, you know, nonstop, right? Yeah. Just nonstop roller coaster of like highs and lows, uh, mostly lows, but a, a lot of things to be really excited about, uh, like privately, personally, with, with the stuff we're making and all of that. But um, trying to trying to move into a phase where you can be very direct and honest with fans and make things you're proud of and... You know, uh, and and be honest also about the idea that you the, the the reasons you're doing what you're doing as ways of kind of testing the 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 waters for new methods of comic book production, of distribution, of all of it. Like if I make enough on the campaign, one of the the hopes is that not only can I give the the you know start uh, relieve pressure in terms of paying the next artist on the next book because. I have about six to seven books like in different forms of production right now for best jacket, but what I can do and I, and I'm paying, it's more just that we're doing it intermittently so that they can take DC work or this kind of work, Marvel work, and then go back to the books. Right. This allows me to, to pay more directly and say like, let's just do this. Cause I can't afford, I mean, I know people have the idea that like you do Batman or whatever it is. And like, you're just like, swimming in money and right. you know, I'm very grateful for how well I've done through DC, but I can't afford to pay for, um, you know, artists like Tony Daniel for three, four, five issues in that way without asking him to take a big, big hit for his own family. So bottom line, we're trying to do things that we're proud of both creatively and from a more practical standpoint, being responsible players within the industry. I was wondering, um, because Tony Daniel's involved in this project, obviously, uh, and, and he seems to be very much intimately involved. It's not just the, the artist. He also, seem, I assume, is involved creatively as well, like in terms of development. Uh, yeah. where, did, where did Tony Daniel enter into the story for developing Nocturnal? From the very beginning. I mean, he and I became friendly when I was freaking out about taking Batman from him back in 2010. So oh, wow. you know, he was, I was a fan <laughs> of his, and he was on Detective uh, when I was, I mean, he was on Batman when I was on Detective doing Black Mirror, and then they asked us to switch, and he wanted to take a break from Batman and do Detective, and so we became friendly because I went to him and was like, oh my god, Batman, I'm so nervous, <laughs> like, what, what, what's the key? And and um, he was very, he was very good about sort of, you know, helping me kind of calm my nerves, and also we talked through story about the Joker and his face being cut off and all this stuff that was part of the New Fifty Two. Yep. 
uh, and we always stayed in touch. And so he worked a bit with us on Batman Eternal. He worked with us on Batman and Robin Eternal. I mean, he worked with us with me a bit on um, some metal stuff, but we never really had a chance to do something centrally. And when I came up with this idea, I was thinking I need somebody who's has that muscularity to their art, has that dynamism and kinetic feel, and yet at the same time is also a good world builder and can do quiet moments well. And so Tony came to mind quickly, and I remember talking to James Tynan and being like, is he busy with you? <laughs> and he was like, he was like, actually, he just told DC that he wants to work more on creator own. So I was like, oh, perfect, you know. So I went to him and, and talked to him over a year ago. He liked the idea from Go. We started making designs, and then I met up with him, and I went to to C two E two to meet up with him really in February, and uh, we went out to breakfast and got away from the con and looked over everything, and we're like, let's do it, and uh, knew to do it this way. We had already decided we were doing the book, but to do it this way through a Kickstarter. So he's been he's been fantastic, and I, I can't say enough good things about his contributions to everything with it. Nice, that's great. I'm I like that of his work. So, <laughs> oh yeah, no, I love yeah. that it came from a place of like, um, you know, of, of friendship and and like this kind of like let's go from here to there. Like <laughs> that's really cool. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to answer yeah, a couple really, quick oh, questions about your campaign. Just we've had a few people yeah. come in. Um, sure. For people who are wondering, there are tiers that include the PDF version, softcover, and hardcover. I've already kicked uh, backed the hardcover versions myself. Uh, though, if you're Same. curious about <laughs> those, you. there is uh, what was the other question? There was a couple of core actual questions I wanted to answer for you that that people were asking. Uh, yeah. Will it go to store shelves? That was one. Will you get it sent out to shelves? Uh, like comic it, shops? Yeah, like comic we'll shops. Sort of- so to be clear, again, like retailers can order a version of the soft cover at cost. So it's it's like half the price or cheaper okay. from a service called Cornerbox. There's a link in the in the campaign. So retailers are already writing us there. They've already ordered it. So you'll be able to buy a version of the soft cover if just what you want is the content from retailers um, with the suggested price of the same thing that you pay for the campaign. So they make the profit. Cool. Okay. Um, but uh, the actual book that you see on the Kickstarter with that cover and the hardcover and the hardcover signed, those will not be available anywhere. So whatever you whatever you subscribe, whatever you're backing as a as a someone who's pledging on the Kickstarter, that will not be available in stores. Okay. Cool. So basically, if you guys want to get it in your store, go tell your comic book store, hit up the Kickstarter, get the order in there. Um, and for all the questions that are related to witches and Batman and all, we're going to do that all hey. afterwards. We're going to hit them. Okay. Yeah. But let's sure do, let's do this first sure. to get those questions out of the way. Then we'll go yeah. into those. <laughs> I, I just do this. I, I, we're getting a nice mix of both that I want to focus on true. the Kickstarter first. And then we'll go into all the spoiler stuff. People love it when you come on the show because they're like, okay, yeah, he's going to spoil everything. <laughs> it's Friday. It's Friday too. So there's, the office is closing. There's nobody to yell at me till Monday, so let's just do it. <laughs> They're all going to be busy tomorrow. Right? Aren't you going to have a fandom? Panel? Right. Yeah. Everyone's gone to fandom, right? Yeah. So there's no uh, – go watch a fandom. We have a metal panel, but everyone will be busy with that so we can really spoil stuff. And go <laughs> no, yeah. no one will yell at you until that's all done. You forgot who spoiled what in those panels. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, yes, uh, D- DS counting on Matt Reeves to just spill everything and then be the bad guy. Yeah, <laughs> or Robert Pattinson to just like come in stumbling and be like, and then this happens, and then right. like, <laughs> I killed the overshadow everything, dope. right? Yeah. 
I'm not going to say that I have any bias to this question, but DST asked if I and Sal will be in the comic, and uh, Sal and I were wondering how we get the thousand. We'll, we'll be an additional six and seven on the get drawn in tier. I can. I will. I will work it in. You know what? I will ask somebody. We will try and draw you in to get killed in like issue yes! three or four. I promise. <laughs> I'll alert you ahead of time, and then I'll show it to you. Sweet Chat sweet. actually did ask that, but I was going to take advantage of it. Right. Like, yeah. You know I, I had a question about best jacket, if you don't mind. Yeah, I don't mean to cut the cut the line, but I am a co-host of the show, so why not? Uh, but is is best jacket going to be? Because it feels like it's like the Scott Snyder production company. Like, are you? Yeah. I know you're 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 rolling out with comics, but is there a future with best jacket where you're also going to maybe like branch out into like TV and games and more? Well, it's my co it's the company that I've been using privately for a while. So like DC pays me through that company okay. um, and. Like for example, I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about this yet, but like witches is has gone through another round of development and is going to to television. And Fantastic. Jock and I are both. They hired Jock to the art director and me to to script oh. it. So really excited. But all that's through Vest Jacket. Um, you know, so it is it is a company that I'm doing multiple things with. But right. the goal with kind of going public with it and making it. Um, the umbrella under which I'm going to be doing my creator own work going forward yeah. is to just sort of say to people um, I'm making a bigger commitment to my, to my own stuff and that I want it to come out in multiple platforms so that it's not an imprint at DC, you know, black label or image yeah. even, even though I have good relationships with those places and love them both, I want to be independent. So I want to be able to say, you know, I have two books lined up already that I, I know I will do with image. I have a book that I know I'm going to do uh, possibly through panel syndicate first and then figure out what I want to do with, with Brian. Um, I might do, there's one with Jock that's part prose that we might either do prose or this. And then we have the possibility of doing a bundle of them or a lot of them um, in, in one or two places as well. If we get, if we, you know, close different investment deals. So, for me, the, the real purpose of it is to be the most exciting writer to myself and push myself to be able to do different things with some creators who I've worked with multiple times. Like I'm totally just spoiling everything, but like there are people like the biggest, like Francis and Francesco and people that have books that are in production together that um, we haven't been able to announce, but that's awesome that I can't wait to, they're all there and they exist and they're being made yeah. um, and they're being paid for and all that stuff. But we've had to work incrementally before because, you know, sometimes, for example, it was like, well, uh, can you can you, here's the script. Can you work on these issues on the side? I can pay you for X, Y, Z right now. But then our kid has surgery, so I can't. Great. Right. So well, I'll take some DC work and then I'll do some of the book and just inching forward on these different projects for years yeah. and then saying, you know what? Fuck it. Like, I'm just. I want to be able to do it more full time. The volatility of superhero comics, not only kind of, you know, addresses the importance of that, but, but also I've done everything that I want to do except for the few things that I I'm doing as real big fun prestige. Look at it. I, it's Donnie. I got to <laughs> I'll tell him I'm talking to you guys. Um, nice. I love We're good for, I love Donnie. And, and by the way, let me just like promote his work for a second. What he's doing on Thor crossover, I read crossover early. It's fantastic. You guys have to pick it up. It's a terrific. It's so good. It's one of those ideas where I'm like, shit, I wish I had thought of that. <laughs> so, yeah. King in Black also his idea is like, that, that guy is on fire. It deserves everything he gets. Like, please go follow him and go everything. So yeah, um, I, I'm loving all of his work too. He's, he's the, like the one of the few people over at Marvel. I'm still like, 
Whatever you write, I'm on board. <laughs> yeah. He's he's fantastic. So I urge everybody to support all of his stuff. Both he's a great person and a great writer. But um, anyway, uh, the so yeah, I mean, for us, like I think uh, that's it's just a moment right now where we're trying to 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 really kind of um, like you were asking Sal. I think uh, with Best Jacket in particular. Yeah. I want I want it to be something where I can be nimble and try different things and be the most exciting creator to myself. That's and, fair. You know, and try different mediums. So there were a lot there was a lot of talk about like DC, they were like, you want to do an imprint here, you know, image other places as well. But I figured I'd like to do it for myself and be able to to place books where they felt best. And and also be yeah. an honest like co creator with the people I'm with and say, What do you want to do? Like right. so that the imprint has that maneuverability so if jock says to me you know what this book because it has a lot of pros maybe we do it in the book market and maybe we do you know and, and yeah. like all of that stuff like so yeah so that's that's the goal again still have i still love dc i'm at fandom i'm doing my dc stuff but yeah i always told them i'm like 10 years and i want to make a bigger commitment to my own stuff and this is that year so well, you're in a good position to do it because yeah. you have not only the uh, you know the clout, but also the the experience in your in your writing to be like I can manage these projects and I can I can go into these different directions. So that's that's a good place to be. It's also not Thanks. subject to a, what a what a corporation might do. Like it's great to create an imprint, and I'm sure it would be really exciting to build something at like DC or wherever. Uh, but if like new management comes in or something like goes wrong, or if there's a bottom line that needs to be met and it's not. The imprint goes away. You're, it's it's subject to too many whims. Like with you, yeah. your your imprint's your imprint. You know, it's it's up to you. You know, it's yeah. it stays or dies based on your strength and nothing else. And that's kind of got to be freeing. Exactly. And I think you know, right now at DC, there are a lot of things going on. <clears throat> it's a really tough time. You know, we lost a lot of people. Some of whom I was extremely close to, like Mark Doyle and, and yeah. Curry, and people that I think, you know, really were doing fantastic work and didn't deserve to go. And then. Um, what you realize in those moments, because Black Label is one of the most profitable departments of DC Comics. There was no, there wasn't really a, you know, a, a, a reason for Mark to leave. And Mark's the one that found me. I mean, Mark and Janine, who he was dating at the time, who now is his wife, like they were dating, they were on a date at a reading <laughs> where I was, uh, I was in an anthology of uh, literary writers uh, making up new superheroes. And they came to that reading. I don't know if I told you this story before, but oh. they came to that reading and uh, she was at Marvel, he was at DC. And uh, they asked if anybody was serious about comics. And I was like, I have comics in my bag. I've always wanted to write comics <laughs> or draw comics and write comics. And uh, they invited me to pitch and that's how my career started. So Mark, you know, Mark is like family uh, and yeah. Janine as well. Now they're married and have kids, which we all call like the great crossovers, the Marvel DC crossovers. But um, I, you know, uh, so there's a lot that it, it's the, there's a lot that makes it like a terrible moment. The thing that I'm hopeful about, uh, Marie Javins, who's been my partner for quite a long time as an editor, was promoted to, you know, co-editor in chief. Co-editor, yeah. Yeah, and the vision that she has for the company and the things that she's been advocating for for a long time are changes that I think are important. You know, I, I deeply believe in one of the reasons I'm trying this Kickstarter thing and I wanted to do Best Jacket in a way that allowed me that maneuverability is that it's a time to try new things in comics that are confluent, that are synergistic, you know. Yeah. Digital doesn't need to be at odds with print, you know, and, and I know there's the, the, I love Brian Hibbs. I love like, but I feel like there are ways of making things work together where, where 
one thing shows why it's special and then it also you know bolsters why the other thing is special the print can't be a place where we just throw every comic that doesn't necessarily belong there and glut stores in ways that doesn't do them any favors you know and and all the the selling practices and the returnability aspect like there are things that are in the speculator market there are all kinds of things that make it really hard for retailers right now when i think they're better methods of creating strong product and making print special in its own right and growing print for what it is. And then that, you know, bifurcating that so that print is here, graphic novels are here. Those, these are mature, these are teen. And then you have something like YA that's, that's thriving right now and digital as a testing ground for new talent, all that kind of stuff that are changes that I know we've been moving towards. And Jim has been somebody who's really been like visionary about that stuff, but it just hasn't, it hasn't materialized. So there's, it's a moment when I'm hopeful about what we could be. And I'm scared that, you know, I'm scared that because of the ax that swung from AT&T and some of the people that were hit with it, that, that we won't get a chance to try that, but I think we will. And I'm hopeful about it and I'm here and I'm ready to be a soldier in any way they need. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, but I, 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 I'm like completely in the corn maze of my own answer, but what I'd say <laughs> to you, Sal, going back to what you said about, about best jacket is that, the reason the, the it feels like a moment for me at least that I am excited to see my friends, other creators kind of whether they're brand new and people like David Peoples, who I saw did a similar kind of Kickstarter campaign to what we're doing, where he's funding a book and he and I are friendly and I supported it. Like seeing the same thoughts cross multiple tiers of comics where it's like, yeah, let's try something different that might support retailers in this way, but hasn't been done this in this particular fashion before. Let's think about YA or think about manga or think about this as something confluent or, or, you know, as a feeder stream to what we're doing. I don't know. I just think it it takes, it's going to take some hard changes, but I feel like we could come out of it stronger all around. So, yeah, I definitely agree with that. Yeah. Before you take another question, Sal, let me start going to some of the ones in the chat. (laughs) I I literally was going to use that opportunity to just be like, all right. Okay, I was was like, I've been biting my tongue on a lot of my questions because, like, we got a lot of good ones here I want to ask. And Sal's just like, do it. Please. (laughs) Um, Okay, so Kirby Hat would like to know if you see a lot of high profile writers like you, Tom Taylor, Donnie Cates, all leaving the large comic companies to pursue your own characters and stories. Is Is that a trend you see getting larger? I guess is the way, the best way to put that. I don't, I mean, I've always had a foot in both and I think people like Donnie and Tom have had too, you know, I mean, I think there's some people that focus solely on superheroes, but the writers that I'm closest with and my friends have always sort of oscillated between those two um, zones. So I think right now, more than ever, it's important to, to, to see what's going on in both because again, like we hear all the bad news about people being fired at DC and it is real. And like I said, it's, it's tough and awful. But there's also a moment there where it means that maybe they're looking for some change and some sort of new, there, there might be new opportunities to, to try new things in, in, in ways that are, you know, creatively progressive. So what I'm trying to say as the answer to that question is that I don't think people are just going to flee superheroes and go do their own stuff. I think it's more a matter of looking for ways of doing things that are targeted the right way. Donnie is very smart and Tom is very smart about knowing his audience, attracting that audience when he does something. I mean, deceased was the biggest and now, you know, injustice like Tom is brilliant about understanding who's reading his books and saying, 
you know, making appeals to them in the right arena and, and getting them in. And Donnie is the same. Donnie is, you know, a P.T. Burnham in the best way possible. I, <laughs> I'm the same. You know, I learn from them sometimes. And so I think it's a matter of understanding that at this moment, people have less money, um, that they're more wary and they're they're concerned with real world things. And making sure that what you're offering them, whether it's superhero comics or your own comics, you're going to give them more than they're paying and being honest and direct with them. You know, that's that's to me the thing that a Donnie and a Tom and a James Tynan, who does a, a totally different model. Like one of the things that's interesting to me about James, James does a newsletter. James is not the circus animal that we are on Twitter <laughs> and that stuff, but he is extremely intimate and direct. And all of us are trying to find ways, you know, in our own method of connecting with you and saying in an honest way for better or worse, this is what we're going for in our work. And those are the people I'm talking about. Jeff Lemire, different method, you know, Hickman, different method, friends with John, like all of that, like we're all experimenting with the same, the same compass. The compass is we can't just bullshit, you know, not that we ever did, but we can't just rely on DC and Marvel or image or that stuff to, to, to sort of promote the books, not because they do a bad job, but because, everybody's in a place where it's just noise and confusion and you know, yeah. you have to reach out directly and make yourself vulnerable and available and say, this is what I'm really trying to do and you know, take it or leave it. And that's yeah. it. And so that connection is part of what I think we're all going for, whether we're doing superheroes or not. So no, people aren't like fleeing superheroes. I just <laughs> think like Donnie connects with fans in a way that I really respect, you know, they're the whole aesthetic, the whole, the whole he's venom, you know, the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know? yeah. And it, that's that's what we all need to do is just engage, you know, respect the fans, engage them and say, you know, don't be afraid of just telling them what you're really trying to do. All that's right. Fair. Yeah. No. Does that make sense? Is <laughs> no, that, it does. It really does. I'm like yeah. on the couch just talking about my yeah, <laughs> feeling. So Well and, and I and I think just just to to build on that a little bit, I just I don't wanna like you know, take over or anything, but I will oh, no, say you're fine. um We're here you for know, that. I'm the quiet one today. people like scott and donnie and james and 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 tom and everybody they're in a great position where they can tell for the most part the stories they want to tell Mm -hmm. and they i think should and are taking every opportunity they can to be able to be like like when you're first starting out uh you you don't get to do your Batman story. You get to do a Batman story or a story. And then eventually those stories build to get to do Batman. And even then it's Batman and still it's not your character. And, but because of your experience with Batman and because of your experience with other characters and with, within the model, you're able to then branch out and do creator own work because you're a creative person, like all involved and getting that position, getting to that position allows you the ability to say, I can do both. I can tell a Venom story and I can also tell this baller story that's in my heart, that's about me and that I can give to people just on my own terms without having to like make it couched within characters you're familiar with and people will buy it anyway. And that's the hope, right? Like, cause it's, it's about selling creator own work and it's about like bolstering your own creative freedoms. I think. I've, I've had a really, like, I don't know who I murdered in a past life to, to get the career I've had, but, you know, I came in, I've told you before, like, I mean, I, I paid my dues in prose, you know, where I was working in uh, uh, books before this. And, you know, the, I have the hundreds of rejection letters and the, you know, the, I've worked all the odd jobs and all that stuff in that, in that realm. 
Yeah. But when I came into comics, I was expecting to do it all over again, just like you said, you know, and I got thrown on to, to detective or offered de detective when I only had a few issues in. Yeah. And I was given tremendous creative freedom, mostly because Grant was working on Batman. So detective was a very minor book under that shadow. So it was yeah. more like, you know, do whatever you want, make it weird because Grant's kind of the, <laughs> and so I lucked out and then everything since then has been just, like you said, I've had an extremely privileged and I like underline that word, <laughs> you know, experience in comics. And a lot of it too was um, coming to grips now. And maybe this is off topic, but you know, just to be blunt, like coming to terms with the ways in which I had access to things that other people didn't. And I, you know, I was somebody who had nothing to lose in the way that I was always ready to go back to books if I was really screwed over by the corporate comics world or just stay in indie stuff. I never cared. I always, I told my wife when we got married, I was like, I'm never going to make a lot of money or any money, <laughs> but I love what I do and I believe in it. I love teaching. Like this is and I tried to carry that into DC. And when I was on Batman, you know, my, I, there was part of me that almost felt like I wanted to get fired because I was so imposter syndrome about taking it so early. And I didn't think I was good enough to have that book at all. And um, the fights that I had with Dan DiDio and Bob Harris, like the arguments and the, the yelling and the go tear up my fucking contract, you know, like that over <laughs> getting the stories through to what they are. You know, yeah. um, I always sat back and was like, if I didn't do that, you wouldn't have Court of Owls away. And that, that's not untrue. But then now I'm at a stage in my career where I'm like, it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be something where, um, where that's even in the equation, not just that, that you do that or that, but that you can do that and then be okay if you're me, you know, and as <laughs> yeah. to, I, I had some other creators point out to me, women and, 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 uh, women of color that, you know, like if I said what you said to that person, I'd be fired. And right. just a lot of that stuff is a lot of that stuff for me, this moment in best jacket, it's about trying to recognize um, that comics is a, is a wonderful and inclusive and growing industry where we have so many great emergent voices, all of that stuff and publishers, but that it's also has a, has a, you know, difficult history and trying to be part of, you know, just, just trying to be better going forward. That's it. That's fair. So yes, like, you know, I, I definitely, uh, definitely had my fights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's always interesting for me to hear the stories of like how you got to where you are. Cause you, uh, through these, through the multiple talks we've had, you've revealed quite a bit of how you got to where you are. And I always just find it interesting the beginning to now, like how you compare yourself to your beginnings, to what you get to do now and things. I just, I've always found that interesting. Uh, well, I feel like when I when I was starting, I was really I was definitely like a bad boy in the way of like looking to get thrown out um, and not not like I was never like this is just to be clear. I was never <laughs> I have never to this day kept an artist waiting. I have never been late with a script. I have never in my life, uh, you know, yelled down or at somebody like, you know, there was a junior editor that like that kind of thing ever. My bad behavior was 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 yelling up at people who like I felt were being unfair with me or with my team to a degree that was wrong, like yelling in a way that was insulting and wrong and that stuff. So it was but it was it was provocative and it was very much like, oh, yeah, well, you know, I don't care if you do fire me kind of stuff and that. And um, 
it was about three or four years in where I finally stopped. I think I told you the story, but it was yeah. like when Tom Brevoort called me and was like, you need to stop. <laughs> right. <laughs> now, now I think, you know, the, the, the idea, I guess what I'm trying to get at is that the idea isn't to just be good enough, like good by not doing those bad things, but trying to, trying to like what my dream for best jacket. And I know this is down the line, like second year at best is to be able to help other people publish books through it, you know? And, right. and, one of the practices that we're trying to do with it is um, like making enough with the Kickstarter that I'm not only able to, you know, pay the next artist um, consistently, which I, you know, I'm, I'm able to do now because of using some of the option money from undiscovered country and that stuff, but to do it in a way where they don't have to, I don't have to do that against the, the book. So for example, and not to get like too inside baseball, but whenever you give an advance or a publisher gives an advance to a writer or an artist, they recoup that advance from the royalties of the book before they start paying royalties to you. As the person running the book, my hope is to be able to pay the artist the page rate and not recoup that from the advance mm -hmm. so that it's just extra. When we get yeah. royalties, we just split them. So little things like that that, you know, sound really boring, but actually I think make a big difference in terms of, you know, the ways that we can work together going forward. So just that, like trying trying to be trying to be better. So yeah. hit me with Hit me with my spoilery death metal questions. <laughs> okay, I mean, I could go to those. I had, I had an actually. I'll, I have one last I'll interesting. Poetic one. on like the, ethics or comics or whatever, and and forever. Well, the <laughs> I actually wanted your opinion on this one myself, so I do want to ask one last industry question. Then we're gonna go on to. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll, so, chat, this is your chance to re-ask all those death metal questions because I see the one from our creator <laughs> want to ask, but this is your chance to get them all out there. Um, but do you see the market heading in a manga type direction where the stories are picked up writer to writer? I wanted to actually get your opinion on that one. You mean like the stories are picked up writer to writer? How like just, just in, in regular form comics, just yeah. Like, well, like with manga, it's normal. Like the, like I, I, I'm trying to think of the best cause I read a lot of manga, but I don't know the industry as well as a lot of the people in my chat obviously do. Um, <laughs> but traditionally it's like, I guess like uh, great examples like My Hero Academia, which I, I believe you have right. read, but it's like yeah, one yeah, person like writing the whole volume, story yeah. through. They don't ever right. swap it off. No one else normally takes over. Dragon Ball Z and Dragon Ball Super has only ever been written by Akira Toriyama unless he approves right. his follow-up. Do you see right. comics moving in that type of a direction where like this no. is the Batman guy <laughs> forever? <laughs> no, I see the opposite, which is frustrating. You know, I mean, I think superhero comics. I think, yeah. I think what... I think we're at a real weird crossroads where I think corporations that own the characters um, as brands, you know, Disney and, and AT&T see the brands as something really valuable and more valuable than the creators. And they are like thousands of times more valuable than the creators. Yeah. But I think the thing with print comics that's difficult to, or comics like comic books, that's difficult to separate is that, we've always been a creator owned or creator driven industry from Jack Kirby to Steve Ditko to Walt Simonson to now, like you don't, you follow the book the way you the follow the character, the way you follow a sports team, right? Like, so you like might like the Lakers or the Rangers or anybody, but the years that they have great players are the years that you connect and you, you see what they're capable of. And that it's an important marriage. It doesn't mean that the team isn't bigger than the players. They owe The team is always bigger. The brand is always bigger. But I think that it's a difficult moment in that corporations are kind of wrestling with the value of the brand, making sure it's divested from any one creator in a way that allows it to be flexible and mobile, and yet wanting to also take the best stories or get the best stories. And I, I think 
what I'm seeing, at least in terms of your question, is no, the opposite in superhero comics, where I don't think you're going to get long, long runs by one person or visionary kinds of things like that quite as much. It doesn't mean they won't happen, um, but I, I don't think that's the direction things are going. I think it's probably the more of the direction where you're going to get you know, uh, more of a buildup of, of shorter stories or of safer, safer kinds of things. Um, I do think, though, that the moment is exciting because what fans are demanding, because they're, they're, they have this tremendous agency about picking what they want and, and finding what they want, whether, like you're saying, Benny, like finding things through manga, finding, you know, my kids, my, my younger kid is Amulet Bone, my older kid is, you know, Death Note, uh, Naruto, Baruto, everything. Um, that finding things on your own, I think, allows you to become a more sort of picky and individuated consumer that just surrounds yourself with things you like. And what you're excited about are finding things that have a vision and are sincere and are character. Like that's manga. The reason, like you were saying, it's it's written and drawn half the time by one person or written right. by one person. That's the attraction. It's a single vision. Attack on Titan or My Hero Academia or Akira all the way back. Like all of it is like, and that 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 sense of individuated vision that's there when it comes to what my kid follows musically, you know, all of it. Like all of it right now says we want something authentic, we want something yours, we want something that's, that's real and vulnerable and sincere. That, that, I don't know that like superhero comics are leading into that, but I do know that indie comics are like leading out into that and have always been that and are, and are expanding in terms of their distribution and the ways in which you can get them and the ways creators are thinking about them. So I'm excited about this moment for that, for both. My hope is that superhero comics embrace that. Um, I worry that it's going to be maybe less, but I also feel that there's going to be a boom in indie comics for that reason. And also because of the streaming wars. I mean, all you have to do is like think about like every platform wants to like grab IP and make yep. shows out of it, right? Yeah. So they're desperate for indie comics because it's sequential already. It's visual. It's easy to translate. And it's built an audience. Built yeah. an audience. Yeah. It's a tested brand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We don't have to field test it. We have the metrics. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. So first, uh, death metal question, because we would go to a while. I don't want to keep you too long here. Uh, actually, it. so this was one of those tough ones, but uh, I didn't even catch these myself, but we're getting questions about continuity errors. Hal Jordan oh, okay. and Justice League at issue one, anti-life gun from Final Crisis in issue three. Were these I got, the issue three mistakes. Issue uh, the Hal Jordan one. I don't know the the death metal the um, the gun one was my bad. I said it wrong. It was my fault. <laughs> Actually, I was alerted to it by James Tynan and the editor, and I knew it. And I was like, oh right, of course, of course. I sorry, I just reversed it, and I forgot to make the edit. It will be changed in the trade. It's my fault. <laughs> so full disclosure, it's just my screw up. Uh, what's the hell? The Hal Jordan one. I'm not is quite as sure. Yeah, I, I didn't catch either of these myself. Although I don't normally catch continuity errors. I'm the kind of guy that just gets absorbed into the story. But he says Hal Jordan with the Justice League at issue one. My assumption is Hal Jordan is technically not with the Justice League right oh, now. No, no, no. Issue one. It's a flashback to show you Wonder Woman is remembering the moment in in rebirth and that energy. So it's meant it's a rebirth yeah. reference, not okay. a current. So it's it's meant to reference the cover the the images that sort of represent the the, the rebirth uh, rebirth initiative. Yeah. Okay. All right. Awesome. Um, is Superboy Prime in Death Metal the original or a dark multiverse version? 
He's the no. original. That's a total <laughs> spoiler because you don't learn that till issue four, which doesn't come out till September. Uh, but uh, yes, it's the original. Basically, is he going to be the actual scary one, or is he going to be the I'm a troll in my basement during? I forget the. I think it was Black Night. <laughs> is no, that he's, <laughs> he's the scary one? But what to me, Superboy Prime is is actually plays a really big part in the series. He's he's the character I feel like that won't like doesn't want things to progress past his favorite moment, you know, in oh the DCU. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And to me, we all feel that way. And I think a lot of us feel things were better or could be better if this, and there's always that kind of nostalgia and also forward looking sort of uh, longing. And he, so he's a powerful character for that. So he, he's there till the end. He's got a big moment, big thing, big surprise about, think, you know, uh, his, not only his role, him. but, but, but the, who else comes in to help with them and stuff. So you'll see. Okay. Exciting so, stuff. I'm excited. Um, okay. So yes, there's a good one right there. Uh, this is a death battle related, but it is about a year Batman run. Uh, did you have a reason to change uh, Duke from Lark to signal? Yeah. Um, God, how to get into this one. <laughs> Duke, uh, there were, I mean, there was just a lot, there were a lot of changing plans when I was on Batman, given a lot of corporate, um, you know, uh, fluctuations. And there were, there were plans at one point to do, to have a new Robin, uh, when Damien was gone. And then there was the plan that Damien had enough traction that they wanted to bring Damien back. And all of that was like, great, whatever you want. You know, I'm, I'm just following, I was brand, I was still new. So it was very much like follow, follow whatever you want to do and just following those leads. But what was very important to me about Duke was the idea that he was always going to be a hero that functioned by day. And he was going to be almost like a a character who sees things differently than Bruce and sees things Bruce doesn't because of his background and all of that. And so it was important to hold on to that and keep building him no matter what his name was. And he does play a part in death metal. He actually narrates, I'm totally giving stuff away, but he narrates (laughs) the back of, um, there's a backstory and we're doing a Robin King special and he's going to be the, the back of that and then i'm working on something right now with him with another writer um that i'm really excited about so my hope is to my hope is to do that character justice um when there were just there was just a lot of changes not bad changes but just things that kind of um yeah just shifted beneath our feet as we went so i'm i I hope he finds the traction he deserves because a hero by day who has his own little back base and covers Gotham in the sunlight and has the boy detective powers to me is something that kids especially can relate to really well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I see your question imaginary axis. I want to end with that one. So don't, you don't have to worry about that. Um, but I know, uh, can I just say, I know imaginary access and Eris who runs it. Thank you. Nice. Yeah. Well, Eris runs variant comics. Variant comics. Yeah. Imaginary oh, access is tied. My bad. Imaginary. Yeah. I, right. I, but imaginary access, the person <laughs> who runs imaginary access also was in my, uh, meet and greet not long ago. So yes, okay. I got the names confused, but I know imaginary access also. Well, then I'll, I'll ask his question right now then. He wants to know your opinion of the overall message of the killing joke. Alan Moore seems to suggest oh, that wow. the only way... Ba- yeah, that's why I was going to be last. <laughs> yeah. Alan Moore well, seems to suggest that the only way Batman and Joker's relationship can end is if one of them inevitably kills the other. Do you agree with his conclusion? <laughs> I... Okay. I have actually, I have, I thought about this a long time ago when it was sort of in the air and Grant had made that comment. Um, and I, I love Grant and Grant has been, I just spoke to him a couple months ago about death metal and we're, we're, you know, 
there's nobody I respect more, but I disagree with that, uh, that interpretation. I feel that the purpose of that scene is that it's a moment that bridges the gap between them. Therefore the kind of water growing on the ground between them, the reflections, the, that a joke is, is ephemeral. It's like, a, it's a bridge between two people. It's the flashlight shined across the darkness. Yep. And for a moment they see eye to eye and they relate to each other. And then they're going to go back to their eternal relationship of fighting. So I don't yeah. think that Batman killed him. I think it's more a matter of saying, we're going to laugh together right now. And then tomorrow we're going to be enemies again. And this will, this eventually will end with one of us killing the other, but nobody's ever going to get there. Like we're all, we're all going to always see the, you know, maybe somebody will do that story. I mean, we did it with Batman who laughs, but right. in real continuity, it will be a perpetual relationship of the devil on the shoulder. Mm. Yeah. I, I, I feel like that's how you kind of portrayed it at the end of the Dionysium portion where they had the heart with the, mm-hmm. the trail. Like that was your version of stating you feel like they always have to be together. They always are going to go yeah, back. I and think, forth. I mean, I, I believe, I think Joker, it's like the, 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 the deck of cards, you know, I, in my, um, my, my, uh, Joker story in Batman, uh, in black and white. Oh, was it black and white or was the Joker? Anime? I have all these different things coming. <laughs> I have yeah, detective... the Joker 80th anniversary book. I don't know if that... I know. And I did, I did one for the detective 1027. Oh yeah. Know, so I, I'm forgetting what I did for what, cause they're all shorts, <laughs> but, um, the Joker one, I believe, you know, I, I like the idea that um, he is the Joker card, which is a mutable card that sort of can take on any value to win. And yeah. his, what he thinks in his mind is that I'll become anything that I need to be to show Batman his weakness so he can either defeat me and be stronger or I'll kill him and he wasn't worthy of me as an adversary. Right. And that relationship that Batman always kind of, unless Batman goes down in flames... Batman will never kill the Joker, but he'll always be locked in this battle of like Joker pointing out his weaknesses and Joker saying, that's why I'm the right hands of the King. I'm the jester, the way the jester used to bring the bad news to the King and the old court, all that stuff. So I love, I love that relationship dearly, but um, no, I don't think Batman killed him at the end of the killing joke. I I mean, but for all I know, Alan Moore tomorrow will be like, yeah, he killed him. Whatever. I don't know. Yeah, I, don't I have know. a feeling yeah. Alan's not going to be weighing in anytime soon. But I, I know, fair, fair enough. But that's my that's my my interpretation is is not that. Can um, I just say, just as a nerd, just as a nerdy moment, just if we're going to talk about the Killing Joke really quick, favorite moment of the Killing Joke? I'd like to hear everyone's opinion about that. Um, <laughs> just you just want to throw that in there. Just what's your, what, yeah, what's your favorite Killing Joke moment? My, I, there's honestly, so many singular moments in that. I just like the ending. The ending. I I like the end. MB, end yeah. It's Friday. You can tell my brain's like, this is your normal day off. (laughs) I like like how just you can't figure out the ending to the killing joke. (laughs) Like a fucky big moment. The ambiguity, if you will. Yeah, yeah, that right there. I like that the most because of the uh, conversations that come out of it. That's what I like about it. Yeah. I I was maybe 11. My favorite, it's not even, I never, the weirdest part is I never took it as ambiguous. I always took it as they're sharing a moment. I thought that was the, like, Okay, not to get too like academic again, but if you look at the beginning of The Killing Joke, the two of them sit at a table with the light bridging the distance between them in a triangular cone, right? Oh my God. The light, like, the light, like, you know, seriously. It's the flashlight. It, I didn't think, <sighs> okay. It, bra- it brackets, it brackets. <laughs> have the it distance. right there? <laughs> <laughs> like, they sit, they, they're sitting at a table, even though it's the fake Joker. Yeah. At a table in Arkham and the light above them shines a cone of light and they're both inside of it, right? Right. The idea at the end, the light between their feet, 
and all of that to me. And the joke that he tells about the Joker tells about the idea of two criminals trying to get across a, a imbridgeable, like a two rooftops as they're escaping jail. And one of them says to the other, I'll shine the flashlight across the distance and you walk across it. And then the second criminal is like, what do you think? I'm crazy. The second I get halfway across, you'll turn it off. Yeah. Where obviously the joke is that you can't walk on the flashlight in the beginning. Exactly. In the first place, the whole point of that joke is that the distance between them is physical and material, but they don't see it that way. One of them thinks that the other one will betray him. Right. The, the whole book to me is designed around that idea of this moment where they're walking together across that bridge of light to see each other, but they don't, it, 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 the light goes off halfway through. There's no, th- th- there's no way for them to, to stand on that bridge because it's not real. Right. But for a brief moment, if they both believe in it, it can exist enough to at least be a joke. And that's See, it. Oh, I, one of my favorite, yeah, one of my favorite moments is right after that when Batman offers to rehabilitate Joker. And for that one Brian Boland panel where he is back to being the man before the Joker, he's not smiling and he like kind of like, you know, he touches his temple. He's just and too late for that. He's, it's yeah. too late for that. It's like the one moment that he like breaks and he stops being Joker. And he's kind of like, but, and the interpretation of course of that is like, does he think, is he like, Oh my God, you're as crazy as I am. You think you can rehabilitate me. You're dressed like a bat. Like what? Like, <laughs> I, but like they, there's so many levels to that one panel. And it, I, I, ugh, that panel, it just gets me so many times. I'm like, Oh, cause it's just that one moment. I, I think where like, it cracks the veneer and Joker's like, Okay, like let's let's pretend like we're not dressed like a bat or a clown right now and just stop. And it's like I I love it. No, I mean, and I what I love is that it. I love that that book totally contradicts what we like. We take a completely different approach to Joker. We completely take, different. And <laughs> I, I love it for its variety. The same way, like you know, reading Dark Knight Returns when you read the first page of that book, for example, like the things that work on you as a kid and you don't realize that why they work on you, and then you go back to them and you're like all of it was planned and designed and just, even if it was subliminal, which right. I don't think it was with like Alan Moore or <laughs> yeah, Miller. Yeah. It's, it's, it's there like the architecture of it. So that when you read the first page of dark Knight returns and you get the very first lines, right. Which are something that are like um, halfway through the race or at the end of the race, like the, the reading stopped making sense. So I switched to manual. Yes. Like that line is the whole book. Yep. You know, it's the, his whole life. It's it's a sum, summary of like the entire story. And then at the end of that page, he talks about how, you know, he's he's taken the controls and the thing's spinning out of control and he's staring straight into the sun and the, the needles of the fire going into him. And that would be a good way to die. I mean, that's the sun is Superman, you know, like that's that's what's oh. going to happen in the book. He's the solar child, you know, and yeah. maybe that's me overthinking it. But. What I'd say to you is is the reason that those things are exciting or the reasons they work on you are because they're so singular in their vision, whether you like the vision or you don't, and it's totally valid one way or another, that they they have almost like a hypnotic quality to them where I think you get to the end and you're like, that was great. And you go back, you look at them again and again, you see that the math and the calculus of how they built the thing, the clockwork is there yes. beneath the surface. That's why I like the cone of light, the whole yeah. thing, like, and you're like, Oh yeah, that that makes sense, you know. Like right. That, yeah. You know. So yeah. yeah. Although I will say, just, just since we're going to massage the host a little bit, uh, there is one of my favorite Joker moments in comics is when Joker comes out from underneath Gordon's bed. 
is the nice. the moment in which uh, Gordon cries from joy from having like known Killed in his him? heart he's killed him, and he's like, "It's over." It's just that I, I've never seen that captured in Jim or Thanks. really in comics. And I'm just we we're talking about Joker. I'm like, you know what? That I will say that moment is is baller. <laughs> well, I'm talking about. I really do hope that new creators get to do the kind of thing that we got to do. Going back yeah. to your comment earlier, Benny, about you know, or the question from the viewer about like whether people get a chance to do those kinds of like long, long uh, arcs. I mean, yeah. long narratives, long runs on characters, because for us, like when we planned death of the family, I always, I knew that I wanted to do a follow-up that was, you know, tragedy. If this was like the comedy where he's wearing a, literally wearing the comedy mask, then there'd be like a follow-up where he's saying to everybody, nothing matters. Everything is dark. Wait till you see I'm eternal. Like I'll, I'll be here after you're gone. I'm everything you're not. Yeah. And um, the fact that DC let us do it makes me, you know, go to bed being like, whether or not you like them or I screwed it up at some point, I got to do it and I got to, to <laughs> say what I wanted to say. And I, I do think that there's so many young, exciting voices out there right now from, from really interesting places in comics that I don't know. I hope there's an embrace of those creators coming up so that, we really do get, you know, a full, like full blooded kind of takes on the characters that speak to this moment in exciting ways, you know, that are true to form and true to core and, and embrace the legacy of these characters and don't break them or bend them too crazily, but at the same time, speak through them to, to things that are important right now for people that are young and, um, you know, have urgent things to say. So that's my, that's my hope. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I personally like the really long form because I feel like, like if you had just, I loved your work with the New Fifty Two, but if you had just done one or two arcs, it would have been like these are great, and then we kind of would have moved on. But I feel like you going through the entire New Fifty Two run that was Scott Snyder's Batman, Tom King's hundred issue run. We're there sure. for the ups, we're there for the downs. We all get to experience it together, and that's what I like about those super long form runs because it gives us more to talk about. People to this day talk about your run. And I feel like part of that's because you did it for so long. So you had so many things to say and so many things to let happen that we can all look back to. And that's what I like about those long runs myself. I've always well, been and You grow with it. I feel yeah. like there's a five-year five year window in comics is what I, I you know, I, not just comics, with everything. Like I've watched it with my own kids growing up where they love something. They love Adventure Time for two, three, four, maybe five years at most, and then they're over it, you know? Yeah. Or they, you know, you, their formative periods of your life last for five, six years. So you'll follow, at the end of that period, I feel like you're ready to move to something else. You know, even when it drags to seven or eight years, sometimes it lasts that long and it's great. But, um, you know, there's just a window because human life, like you, you just progress out of that phase. Like you get married, you have kids or you're a teenager, now you're not, you know, you're college, you're not home anymore. And so you have a moment, you know, and for us with that moment on Batman, it was very much understanding that there was going to be an end. And I always thought it would be somewhere around five or six years at most. Like I never thought we'd get that long, but trying to do everything you could say everything you wanted to say, do every crazy thing in that period. And, you know, that's, I mean, I, it's very interesting to see James now, you know, my, like my, he was my student when, when, when I was in my twenties and, and breaking into comics and he was in college, you know, he was 20 and I was like, what, I don't know, 28, 29, whatever it was. And um, the way he approaches Batman is so personal and similar to me in terms of what he writes about, but the way he also approaches it is different in the way that it's more modular. It's more yeah. like, 
story. If I get kicked off, I get kicked off. Story, kicked off. <laughs> and that was the way I started. And then I flipped to like, let's do a whole run. And yeah. there's a lot more. It's just a different. It's a different moment. And I feel like everybody's hopeful that they get to keep going. But um, you know, I don't know. They're just different. It's like weather patterns, man. There's just different forces at work than we're in control of. Like I said earlier about Mark, like, you know, there are things with Disney and Marvel and AT&T and DC that are just so far out of our control and so far above our pay grade that the best that you can hope for right now is that the people they bring in or the people they they have there recognize that there's so much potential in comics to be not only strong as they are, but even better and print comics better. Retailers, you know, all, all of us could do we've been coasting a long time and we need to make some changes that I think will make us a very, a, a much stronger industry all around. Mm. Okay. I got I two hope. last questions for you so we can get, we get you that way you have time to get to your next thing. Uh, the first one was uh, what could, th- so. what could you spoil for speed metal? Oh, it's awesome. Uh, what I'll spoil, <laughs> spoil is like every, every flash in history is in it and an army of black racers and Josh Williamson kills it. Eddie Barrows is awesome. And, uh, uh, it's just like, I mean, uh, not Eddie Barrows, uh, 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 always, I, how am I blanking? Uh, Porter, Howard Porter? Uh, Howard Porter, of course. Right. Um, well, I mean, you guys have supported it. the whole show. I've been the one that's a blanket out all show. So you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> that's why you're, you're no, no. <laughs> and, and Wally's solution to what they need to do to save, uh, themselves from being caught by the darkest night by the Batman who laughs is great. It was yeah. Josh's idea, and it, I was like, "Do it, and then we'll we'll pick it up in death metal." So, it's Sweet. huge fun. Death, speed metal is is awesome, and so it, Trinity Crisis, by the way, which comes out soon, also meets me and Francis Manipal solo. Francis is a friend; he's part of Best Jacket. Um, the uh, <laughs> the and um, and it's a thirty-eight page thing where it's all about going back to the original, the big three crises, big three crises and uh finding out what happened to them and it's 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 pretty much like if i just did a key chapter of metal and was like if you don't read it chapter four actually has a big recap from issue four has a big recap from sergeant rock that's like where you been and he like goes into it <laughs> from the battlefield where he's now just like a head in a helmet so it is actually it's a, so it's a really important it's an important part if you skip it you can get the recap and the next issue which dc doesn't normally do but um, I would like it is it is uh, it's important the same way speed metal is important multiverse's end is important it shows you how what's happening with Perpetua and the multiverse and uh, how it's all dying and it's the Green Lantern saving what they can of the multiverse and bringing people back like Lois and everybody that's on these antennas back to Earth for the final battle in issue five and six and seven. Hmm. Okay, I'm gonna grab this question because we were asking it yesterday on our D and D game. So I doubt you watch our D and D game, but on our show on Thursdays we do a Dungeons and Dragons game. Uh, I where my brother and our producer play as Booster Gold and Blue Beetle in DC nice. Metal. So they're in your they're they're, they're oh, trying nice. to fight the Dark Knights. But <laughs> a question came up yesterday that none of us could answer. Whatever happened to the Grim Knight? Is he just arrested oh, in a jail in, cell? He's in Trinity Crisis. No, you'll oh, okay. see, he's in Trinity Crisis. He actually, uh, I wish I could show you. He's like, he's in the first pages. He's <laughs> okay. there guarding Castle Bat, and he's awesome. He set up all these trip wires and stuff. And he's there at the end, at the finale of Death Metal, which is essentially like the craziest thing I've ever tried. But it's, it's the most sincere also. It really is like, it's all the heroes realizing, because Wonder Woman's plan, and I'm spoiling way too much, but Wonder Woman's plan <laughs> right now is to 
use the crisis energy to kind of erase this chapter in history because it's so dark and right. say, we're going to forget this happened and we're going to start over. And what she realizes in issue five, so spoiler till December, <laughs> or whatever it is, November, is that um, that's what a villain does. You know, you know, even when they're sympathetic, like what you have to do is own the mistakes and connect to everything, every memory, every history, every version of yourself you've been, every every iteration of you from the very first ones. Like, So you see original Wonder Woman drawn as original Wonder Woman to now and say, that's all me. And, and going forward, I have to accept that everything I've been speaks to this moment and whoever I am on the other side, whether it means that I don't get a chance to be Wonder Woman anymore, or I'm something different than I am, that's okay. You know, and that's, you know, what I'd say to readers is that um, we really want them on the other side to feel like all the toys are back in place. Like I'm not looking to take Wonder Woman and throw her out the window or take Batman and kill him or that stuff. So spoiler again, like double spoiler, which I know I'm not supposed to do, but <laughs> it's not something, it's not something that like, which I mean, I could look, I, I, to be honest, like I could fucking game it and be like, guess what? Wonder Woman might die. I might replace <laughs> Batman with, you know, I might replace Batman with Bane or you know, you'd be knows? a great like, YouTuber with clickbait. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> This I'm what I'm trying to say to people is that this this part of my career is about the opposite of clickbait and to try and say we're making these things because not because it's a spoiler for you to know that most most of the DCU or what the DCU is on the other side is restored and will make you happy, I think, and connected. But to, to say there's a reason that we're doing that, which has to do with saying it's time for great new stories and we will have some suspenseful hooks at the end that you're like, wait, what? What's gonna happen in 2021? All those kinds of things. But what we don't want to do is make you feel like we're sensationally trying to get you in the door through gimmicks of being right. like, guess what? Superman is now, you know, dead. And who's going to, you know, that or, you know, everybody's dead. Like, just what's the, you know, sure. we Could we sell a lot of comics with the death of the whole DC? Yeah, you know, we could. <laughs> but that's not, you know, that's not what we're going for. But you will see everybody go down fighting. Like the whole DCU in this moment, this end of an era kind of feel, it's about what death metal is about saying, things are going to change and everything is, you know, everything is shifting. So everyone goes down swinging, you know, all the heroes and all the villains together against the last 52. But then at the end, um, what you get is something I think you'll be really happy with. And, and I'm happy with and proud to leave as the toy box for the next person. That's See, we were we were taking bets that Grim Knight was just locked up in Arkham, and as they're walking through, they'd be like, "There's Joker, Poison Ivy, and an evil Batman." <laughs> but yeah, no, he, he well, he would get out too easily. He got sucked back into the dark, and then he's like pulled back out. That's yeah. the way I see it. I don't know. Sometimes I'm like, wait, where did we leave that character? But for me, it's like, if you kind of give me We thought he was arrested. We were like, he got arrested, we think. (laughs) Well, James Jr. kind of killed him was the way that I tried to leave. Oh, okay. Like James, he he brought his like inner psycho out to kill him. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we're bringing back the original Dark Knights. We're bringing, basically at the very last fight, it's everything you've wanted to see. Like all the, all the Dark Knights in history it's like future vision, you know, version, evil versions of the character, like the, what might happen to the DCU in all kinds of ways. Uh, it's like every, everything, you know, everything brought to bear. So it's right. the, like meant to be like the biggest crisis thing ever with Superboy Prime and everyone fighting on one side against the, the evil possibility, the evil like last 52. So all it's, right, so it's a the lot last, of fun. The last question I, like I have term. for you 
Chat was asking this one, and I liked. I want to hear it. I don't even know if you're legally allowed to say it, but you don't seem to care right now. Uh, <laughs> if you could write any Marvel character, who would it be? Oh yeah, no, I can say that. Okay, um, <laughs> I was I wasn't sure. Like, nope, he can't I talk would, about him. <laughs> I have I have a lot of Marvel ideas, and I I do plan on going there at some point. You know, I think um, right now I just I'd like to, to take a breather and just kind of focus on my stuff. Um, unless Greg is just like, we have to do it, you know, where I'd go. Um, but, uh, uh, I have a big story for Hulk that I want to do with Greg called Hulk smash everything. It's like planned all the way out from, but Al is doing such a fantastic job on Hulk right now. I'd need to like give it a rest. Before <laughs> it. Um, the other character that I've always wanted to do is Captain America. I have a long story about Captain America or a big story, not long, but big about, the secret of the iceberg, all this kind of stuff. And um, it involves a lot of him and Wolverine and um, Ghost Rider teaming up. So, <laughs> okay, now I want to read a lot, that. Of, a lot of motorcycles, a lot of motorcycles <laughs> and cigars and that kind of thing. Like, I'm so, not normally a fan of Captain America solo stuff. I like him on the teams, but Wolverine and Ghost Rider, you'll get me on that one in a heartbeat. <laughs> well, they've all, they've all been around a long time. And so any mystery that has to do with something, you know, 60 years old, 70 years old, they might have, they might have, witnessed or been a part of so yeah yeah i have this belief that they all kind of the characters that have been around a long time kind of get together to talk about cold cases and things and so yeah That'd so the cool. three of them yeah. three of them on motorcycles and the whole thing so that's kind of where oh I'm, yeah all right um oh. I, I have a, just a quick just a quick uh this is definitely not this is a totally superficial question which <laughs> sure. do you, which 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 term do you prefer uh dr manbatten Dr. Bat-Hatton or Dr. Bat-Manhattan? I always just say Bat-Manhattan. But the thing also, like, to be really clear, and I know this is, like, super nitpicky, but we were we did try really hard. We were not using any Watchmen characters in the book in right. the way that Dr. Manhattan is Doesn't... not a part of, you know. But what happened was in Doomsday Clock, Batman learned about Dr. Manhattan, and therefore in some dark part of the dark multiverse, it, because the dark multiverse is a reflection of what we think about wonder, fear, hope for here. Exactly. Batman, the real one, did wonder, well, what if I created something that made me as powerful as him? So right. there you go. So that it's that Batman. So right. um, it is, I know people were worried we were using Dr. Manhattan. We're not. It's not Dr. Manhattan's body with, with Batman's brain in it or anything like that. But um, it's got hair. Yeah, I say I say Batman. <laughs> he has hair. That that was, was the first way. Like you don't even know. You don't even know. He was drawn bald at one point, and I was like, no, no, no. He's got hair, different <laughs> physique. He's Bruce yeah. Wayne. He's Bruce Wayne. And uh, and uh, when they did this preview where he's cut off at the panel here, and everybody was like, oh, it's Doctor Manhattan. I was like, no, he has hair. Look, it's like, <laughs> he, has he has beautiful, beautiful dark hair. Yeah. So. <laughs> Anyway, we do our best. We do our best, right? <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, uh, I guess this is where we're going to close out today's show. Uh, one last call out for your Kickstarter. Uh, one minute pitch. Where do they find it? So we can get, if they want to promote your new, you want to get on your new project. Yeah. Just look up, look up nocturnal. It's spelled as it's a combination of, of the word nocturnal itself and eternal. So it's N O C. Uh, T-E-R-N-A-L. So it's nocturnal on Kickstarter. It's about an endless night that changes everybody into monsters. It's a lot of fun. And again, we believe in what we're trying to do with it as a campaign. So I'm taking no profit. You're not putting like, you know, golden trim on my house or whatever it is. It all goes to the next artist um, that I'm working with at Best Jacket. So, you know, 
I appreciate it. And we're trying to pay it forward. So thank you. And thank you guys. This has been a blast. Oh, it's always Thank fun you. talking to you. I wish I, I apologize for not being as active as normal. No, that Friday's always the end of my week, and I, I was trying to get my brain awake, and it wasn't working. I chugged this whole thing of coffee. You, know, <laughs> you, I feel like I, you can just let me go on a Friday afternoon. I'll talk about anything. Forever, so. <laughs> I'm easy. I'm, e- I'm easy. <laughs> so, but all right, guys, we're going to close out today's live show. Thank you so much for joining us today. I know it was a bit of an impromptu, but I hope you guys enjoyed it. Quite a few guys had a lot of questions. I hope you all did in general. Thank you so much for joining us today, Scott. It's always fun talking to you. You're always welcome whenever you want to be here. Just, yeah, I mean, seriously, you just have to let us know when you're on the show. So, exactly. <laughs> thanks, brother. No, I appreciate it. I love being on it. So, and thanks to everybody out there.